Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. Oh, come on. I've seen more life at funerals. Come on, people. Good morning. It ain't that bad. Y'all all wore out from the holidays? Y'all eating too much, aren't you? Hopefully you're not eating sweet potatoes. That will bring the curse and anger of God on you. couple of days it was a Monday night the calendar flips it goes from 2018 to 2019 the Bible has a lot to say about when we come and when we go if you're reading through your Bible you'll know that it seems to give more detail about when somebody starts something and when somebody ends something than it gives in the middle because how we start and how we end something is important. And yet at midnight or 12.01 on Monday night, when the year changes from 2018 to 2019, I can prophesy to you right now that if you do everything in 2019 like you did in 2018, if you make every decision the same, if you approach every problem with the same attitude, if you struggle with the same shortcomings, the flipping of the calendar will change nothing. The, the thought isn't original with me, but the way it phrased is, if you always do what you've always done, you will always have what you've always had. If you keep doing the same thing, the same way, with the same heart, and the same attitude, you give up the right to complain that everything's the same. Because in reality, we cannot decide everything that happens in our life but we can decide what to do with it. So much of the teachings today is, is, is centered on you and I shaping our destiny. And the reality is all of your worry, according to Jesus, cannot change one thing about tomorrow. But Jesus talked a lot about how you can change this moment and you can change things and the gospels are more than just the teachings of Jesus on certain matters there are examples of people that in a moment they made a decision and their life dramatically changed so for the next little bit I want to talk to you about two simple words get out Turn to the person next to you and tell them, get out. Get out. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. Here Jesus is speaking and he says this. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. 
And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I just, I'm, I'm endeavoring to do what you've called me to do, and that is to share your heart with your people. But Holy Spirit, I, I know you're the real teacher, the real preacher here. I, I know you have an incredible ability to take and make every word personal to each of us, and I'm asking you and believing you to do that. Father, I bind every hindering spirit. I declare your word and your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Back at the beginning, verse 7. You know what? We just overcomplicate things. We, we really do. Anybody else guilty of that? We really do just overcomplicate things. Jesus started off, this is Matthew 10. This is relatively early in the ministry. These people that have been traveling with him, according to which theologian you believe, they've been with him months. And Jesus turns to them and say, before you go, make sure to take these classes. Get this certificate. Get certified, trained. And then when they tell you you're ready to go, then, then go. He doesn't say that. It's just real simple. He's talking to people. Listen to me. He's talking to people who have only known him a few months. And he says, go. Go where? Go. How? Just go. As you go. It's, it's that easy. Just go. Just go. Where do I go? Go home. Go to your work. Go to Walmart. Just go. We, we, we've got to quit doing ministry and start being ministry. Where it's just, it just, it's wherever you are. He said, just go. Just, just, well, how do we, just go. Well, all I can do is sing. Well, then go and sing. All I can do is talk. Then go and talk. Just, just go. And, 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 and say this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why would you say that? Because you and I are carriers of that. On the day of Pentecost, each of them got their own flame. Not just Peter got a flame and everybody followed Peter's flame. Everybody got a flame. Why? So when they go, the flame goes with them. And, and you, you, when, you, when you understand this to be true, how many knows that God doesn't call us something to do we can't do? I, I want to tell you that the way that we do do church is abnormal today when we compare it to what Jesus said. He said, just go. Go to your work. Go to your home. Walk down the streets of your neighborhood. Go to Walmart. Go to the gas station. Just, just go. And, and wherever you go, the kingdom of heaven is with you. That changes everything. And, and so because that the kingdom is with you and everywhere you go, the kingdom is with you, then, then, then heal. You mean invite them to church? 
so that they might get a healing. If the worship team and if we get it all worked up, then no, 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 no. Just take it with you. You're the church. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God is. When you step in front of somebody, if you're in right relationship with him, then the kingdom of God has come upon this person. It started with John the Baptist who said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Which means it's, it's right there. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is now. I'm here and I'm king, and, and if the king is inside of me, then wherever I go, the kingdom is. you're a diplomat you represent another country to a foreign country most people aren't aware but you're you don't abide by the laws of that country you have license plate that says diplomat on it because you don't abide by the laws if you're a diplomat from the United States and you go to Ecuador you don't abide by Ecuadorian law you abide by United States law the worst they can do is just ask you to leave. When you and I are representative or ambassadors for the kingdom of God, we represent the kingdom of God. And when we go, we are to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Here's the challenge in all of that. That should be the normal lifestyle for every believer. I want you to know God wants that for you. Anybody in here want to lay hands on somebody and see them get well? Anybody? Anybody want to cleanse a leper? You don't heal lepers, you cleanse them. That's another message. Raise the dead. That's normal. You don't have to have a certificate to do that. You have to have a person of Jesus inside of you and just go. Not stand and wait. If you're standing, you're not going. Just go. Lord, if you want me to do something for somebody, send them to me. No, go. Go. I, I, know, I know there are some groups that go out to do prayer walks for, and they call it treasure hunting. They're treasure hunting. They're walking. They're going, getting out there, looking. And there was a time in our church we pastored. We had a bus ministry that reached out to kids. And, and, and quite honestly, most of the kids came because the parents saw it as free babysitting on Saturday morning. Some of the kids, most of the kids came from challenged, very challenged homes. And every Friday night, the teams would go out and do visitation, would knock on every door to make sure that every kid was coming the next morning. Saturday morning, the buses would go out. Got to the point we were picking up almost 200 kids. They went to knock on one door on, on a Friday evening, and it was a, normally a little boy and his little sister, and nobody answered, and one of the neighbors heard all the knocking, and came over and said, well, they're not there. What happened? Well, Mom and Dad had been dealing drugs, and the police came and arrested them and put the kids in foster care. So, you know, we, we had no way to know what had happened to them. They're just, they're gone. They're in foster care. And a week later, the teams went out, and one team, in fact, it held our children's church pastor, felt led to just get out of their car on a certain street and walk, start walking down the street, walking down the sidewalk. In the part of the town where we don't run our buses yet. And as they're, they're walking down the street, just treasure hunting, they hear several houses up, I told you, I told you. And they see the little girl run down the steps and starts running down the sidewalk. It's the little girl from the house. And, and this is their foster home. And she told their foster parents, 
those people at that church will come looking for me. They love me and they'll come looking for me. And this team just felt to go to this part of the city and get out and walk down the sidewalk. And, and, the, and they happened to be sitting out on the front porch with the foster parents. And she said, I told you they would come looking for me. I'll tell you who really went looking for her that day. God. And he was just looking for somebody who would just go. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your usual. Just go. My wife and I are getting into the habit that when we're going along and we just feel like, you know what we need to, we need to, and at first it would aggravate the other one. She'd say, I feel like we're supposed to, no, no, you know. But we're, we're learning that just, just do that. Something's going to happen. Just, just, just go. Just go. He says, freely you've received. Freely give. I didn't. I've been, I've been saved by God, and it didn't cost me anything. I've been healed by God, it didn't cost me anything. I've been loved by God, and it didn't cost me anything. I've been delivered by God, and it didn't cost me anything. So Jesus said, I, I freely gave it to you, now just, just go. Just go give it. And as you give it, I replace it. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Sow and you shall reap. He says in verse 9, don't worry about the money aspect. Don't, don't worry about the details. He said the workman is worthy of his meat. Listen to me for a moment. Some of you are struggling in life. You're, you're struggling financially and you're struggling in areas of your life and you wonder why God isn't meeting the need. I want to lovingly but directly tell you, you cannot run your life the way you want to run your life and expect God to finance it. If you get up in the morning and you work for you, and you work for what you want, and you do what you want, when you want to do it and how you want to do it, then you are responsible for the bills. But if you get up in the morning and you say to God, this is a day you have made, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to do my best to do what you want me to do. And then when something comes up and you feel like you're supposed to text somebody and you text them, the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart to go at your lunch hour and pray and God puts it on your heart to say this to that person and you do that. Jesus is saying, if you'll do that, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain at all. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. That's true. If he's your God. But if you're your own God, have at it. Go ahead and play God. And you can worry and fret about all the details of life. He says in verse 13, when you go, you, you find a place. He says, if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace come back to you. Listen to me for a moment. This is a word for somebody. There are some places and some relationships and some jobs and some things and some places you live that you need to just take your peace and get out. If there is something in your life robbing you of your peace, get your peace back and get out. I'm not talking about a marriage. I know people that are miserable for years in a job because they're afraid they won't get another good job. 
was talking to David just last week. I am so thankful that God helped me to understand years ago that I work for him. And he taught me that lesson when I was fully employed in a secular job. There was talks of layoffs and there was talks of the company going under and there was talks of they'd sent out a memo telling everybody no more raises. My wife and I have a kid on the way. I need a raise. God let us know I don't work for that company. I work for him at that company. And when he's done with me there, he'll put me somewhere else. That I don't do one thing worried about being unemployed. Because the economy of God never goes under. And while nobody else is allowed to get a raise, he tells us I'm supposed to ask for a raise. And I got a raise on Tuesday, and he tells my wife on Wednesday he needs to go ask for another raise. I think he didn't tell me because he knew I wouldn't do anything about it. Because it's been 48 hours, people, at a company that's not giving raises. And I went to the office, you, I've told you the story, and asked for another raise. And he goes, I haven't even finished the paperwork on the last one. Are you trying to get fired? No, I'm not, I'm not trying to get fired. I know who I work for. Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. Do everything you do is under the Lord. Those people all thought I loved my job. I didn't like that job, but I loved the Lord. I work like a dog because I'm working for him. I didn't steal from the company because I'd be stealing from him. There's a word. I didn't show up late because I worked for him. So he said, well, you know, I, I'm required to, to, ask, to go to the owner and ask since you asked me. He said, how much of a raise do you want? And they had given me a dollar an hour. Now, understand, I, I know this is 2018. This is in the day when I'm making 375 so a dollar an hour raise, that's a big raise. He said, well, how much of a raise do you want? I, and I hadn't thought about that. I just, you know, that dollar felt good. I'd only been there a few months, people. He said, I'm going to ask. He said, but he, he, this may backfire on you. He came back to the shop later and he said, I'm going to ask you a question. So what's that? He said, do you have pictures of the boss with somebody else's wife or something? I said, why? He said, well, he said, I'll tell you this. He said, I, you didn't get your dollar. I said, I didn't. He said, no. These were his exact words. Isn't this the guy who just asked me for a raise two days ago? And I said, yes, it is. He says, how much did we give him then? The manager said, you gave him a dollar. He said, I like this guy. Let's give him a dollar and a quarter. He said, so you didn't get your dollar. You got a dollar and a quarter. From one paycheck to the next, my pay went from $3.75 to $2 and a quarter more an hour. That's pretty cool. Jesus said, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't fret. Listen to me. There's, there's a truth here that God's trying to uncover for us. I want to tell you something. If your God is not big enough to meet your financial needs, you're serving the wrong God. How in the name of all that's right do we think that Jesus is up in heaven building a place for us and he can't meet our financial needs down here? He can't fix what's wrong in your life down here. What, where, where's that thinking come from? There's something in your life that's robbing you of your peace? Get out. Jesus himself said it this way. 
if you go there and 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 you 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 give it your peace and it won't they won't hear what you have to say I don't have the time to talk about he keeps flipping between people and houses and city when he's talking here and that's for a reason he says if you go into a house and they won't hear what you've got to say get your peace back how do you get your peace back get out of there he says and when you get out take and get the dust off the bottom of your shoes now here's the part you got to look at verse 15 Jesus is saying if you will do that God in heaven will see that act on your behalf it will be better for them in Sodom and Gomorrah than for those people that you had to tell to get out do you realize that that simple act of getting out catches the eye of God everybody say get out just get out sometimes you just have to get out sometimes you have to just get out Luke chapter 8 we're going to see what's happening here in Luke chapter 8 Jesus has got out of a boat and stepped onto the shore and there's a demonic there the man who's filled with the demons called legion for they are many and he, he, he confronts those demons and he tells them to get out. Okay? And they get out. And the people of that area are so disturbed at what happens, they tell Jesus to get out. When you get rid of the enemy in your life, it's not going to make everybody happy. Listen to me, this is a word for somebody. That, that, that individual that, that is just agitated at you and your, your suffering and your loss of peace in your life because of them, the problem is not you. The problem is the God in you agitates the demons in them and makes them difficult to get along with. And they told Jesus to just get out. And so he gets into a boat and he goes back across the, the little sea there and he, he gets off on the shore but by this time word of what he had done over there had reached over here and there was a huge crowd that greeted him he started to work his way through the city and a man named Jairus walks up to him and throws himself at Jesus's feet and says master my 12-year-old daughter is nearly dead. I need you to come. Jesus said, let's go. They start on their way. And the crowd is pressed in. And he's, I can imagine being a father, a parent, and your child is nearly dead. And, and you're trying to get Jesus there to fix it. And I'm sure that Jairus had an issue with the crowd because they're slowing Jesus down. And at one point, Jesus stops because a woman has snuck up in the crowd behind him. She's had an issue of blood for 12 years. And she has touched the hem of his garment and she's gotten healed. And Jesus stops and said, who, who touched me? And the disciples said, are you kidding me? You're being pushed and shoved and everybody touching you. And he said, no, th this is different. I felt virtue go out of me. And I'm sure Jesus is kind of like me waiting for my food to be delivered at Bob Evans. Jairus says, oh, that's great. Glad you got healed. Let's go. Let's move forward. And the Bible says that she came up to Jesus and told him the story one version says and she told Jesus her whole story she 
told Jesus her whole story. And Jesus just stands there. And there's a, there's a lesson in this whole thing. Timing in your miracle really doesn't matter to God. The enemy has lied to you to think you've missed your time. There's a truth in that story. Listen to me for a moment. Matthew makes sure that we understand the details because the, the details are important. The daughter was 12 years old. The woman had an issue with blood for 12 years. That means that in that city, when that little girl's being born, there's a woman whose issue starts. And the number 12 is significant because it was, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. When the priest went into the Holy of Holies, he had 12 stones on his chest. The first time we hear Jesus preaching is when Jesus is 12 years old. When he turns 30, he chooses 12 disciples. Matthew 19, Jesus said, when you get to heaven, you're going to see 12 thrones around my father's throne. And you will be sitting on them. 12 represents the authority and the power of God. And Jesus is making sure that we know in this story in Matthew that the power and authority of God is not constrained by present circumstances or time. So this woman tells her story, and she finishes, finally. And they begin to move towards Jairus' house, and somebody comes up to Jairus, and we pick up the story there. And while he yet spake, there cometh one from the rule of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not. Believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in except or save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. I want to stop there for just a moment. We're going to read some more in just a moment. But some of you that you just know your situation is never going to get any better. You just know that. There are people that have lied to you and circumstances have lied to you. It's over. You're done. It'll never come to pass. It'll never get any better. They knew she was dead. Verse 54. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. I am sure that in that moment when Jairus is standing next to Jesus, and he's still talking to the woman, and while he's still yet talking to her, somebody comes to Jairus and says, Dude, forget it. It's too late. Your daughter's dead. There is that demon of doubt that's always circling. Always telling you it'll never get any better. This will never get healed. You'll never be delivered. You'll never change. You're always stuck in this rut. It'll always be this way. And Jesus looked at the man and said, don't, don't quit now. 
Don't, don't stop believing. I want to tell you something. God doesn't have to be there when you think he needs to be there. Master, my brother whom you love is sick. You need to come. And he waits. He doesn't move. Time passes and he turns to his disciples and said, it's time to go to Lazarus now. He sleeps. They said, well, if he's sleeping, that's a good thing. They thought he meant sleeping. He means he's dead. Don't let the enemy try to tell you God's timetable. It's in the heart of God and only in the heart of God. Whatever situation you face, especially that thing that is robbing you of your peace today, that thing that you are convinced will never get any better, will never change, God is not constrained to that timetable. He's proved this situation. He stood at the side of somebody who had died moments earlier and raised them from the dead. And I'm sure there was some doubter in the room that said, Ah, but were they really dead? Later, he's traveling down the road, and he, his procession gets interrupted because a widow of Nain is burying her only son. So he says, I think I'll try this again. And he goes and pulls the guy out of the casket and raises him back to dead. And I'm sure somebody said, we, we missed it again. That guy wasn't hardly dead. Jesus, I'm going to fix this. Lazarus is sick. All right. Look at what he did between the time he got word that Lazarus was sick and when Lazarus was dead. He really didn't do anything important. But he didn't go. When he finally went, his sister said, if you had been here, I'm going to tell you something. God is not constrained to time. The greater the tragedy, the greater the miracle. The greater the struggle, the greater the deliverance. He stood outside Lazarus' grave. Somebody commented, surely he stinks. I can imagine Jesus saying, are we all in agreement that the dude's dead? No more of this, he fainted. No more of this, he may not be just, he may have just, you know, unconscious. Are we all in agreement here that the dude's dead? He stinks, right? Okay, go get him. He had to call him by name. Because he was in a graveyard. If he'd have said, come forth, there would have been a couple hundred miracles. So he had to say, Lazarus, come forth. He had to be specific. Now I ask you this question, what, what in your life do you not want to drag into 2019? What in your life is stealing your peace? What rut? do you want to get out of? Because I want to tell you, if, if, if you go into 2019 in a rut and you handle the rut that the way you handled it in 2018 and maybe in 2017 and 2016, amen, somebody? And 2015 and 2014 and 2013, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you will, ha you will get back to next year and say, man, I'm glad this year is over. Because I sure fouled that thing up. I dragged this mess and that mess. I'm no more joyful when I started this year, ended this year than when I started. Somebody. What is it you don't want to drag into this year? Then listen to me. Tell it to get out. That's what Jesus said. If it's stealing your peace... Tell it to get out. Jesus himself walked into a room and it was full of doubters. 
and they said that they knew the lady was dead, the girl was dead. They knew that. I, show, I share this story that I've shared before to show you that God can use the weakest of vessels if you'll just go. He was our, our Sunday school teacher at the first church my wife and I pastored. He's an old guy. He wasn't a great teacher, but man, he loved the Lord. He, you, you knew where every lesson was going to start. He could start on anything, and it'd end up being end up how much God loves us. He could start talking about the Holy Spirit, end up God loves us. Talk about the cross, ends up how God loves us. <laughs> Talk about the Ten Commandments, ends up how God loves us. In 45 to 50 minutes, he could work himself into a full cry about how much God loves us. I got word that, and he was, I think, 84 years old, 85 years old. He had some heart issues. He had a heart attack, and he's in Riverside Methodist Hospital. And I'm a young pastor. I don't think I'd made more than one or two hospital visits in my life at that point. I go to the emergency room, and there he is. They got him hooked up to the machine, and the machine in the background is going beep. They'd shock it, and his heart would jump up for a few moments, and they go back to flatlining, and they're pumping on his chest. And I'm like, oh, no. God told me to put my hand on his forehead and speak life. You should have called us. I mean, we're in the town of Rod Parsley. Go get him, God. This, this is me. I'm backward, and I'm shy, Besides, I can't even get to him because there's all these people around his bed and they're working feverishly and they've, you know, and I hear them and wrestling and the heart thing would start and then it would stop. And like God, I'll just, I'll just stand back here and pray. So I, I told you to put your hand on his forehead and, and pray life. I said, God, you, you, you're not bound by distance. <laughs> I'm arguing with him. Isn't that stupid? I can be stupid sometimes. I was just dumb. God, he's, he's just four feet away. You can get him right there. I don't have to interrupt anybody. I don't have to. And they're working. And I'm like, God, I'm just right now. I just speak life over him. And he said, I told you to put your hand on his forehead. I said, I'm right here, God. I'm throwing it over there. And, and here's the, I'm just being honest with you. Here's the resting of my heart. That would be embarrassing. I've got, I've got to interrupt people. They're doing important business. I said, you know what? If I don't obey God, nobody will ever know. God said, I will. background, I don't know how long it passed. When you're wrestling, it feels like it's eternity. But it, it had quieted down somewhat, and I heard a male voice. I took it to be one of the doctors. We ready to call it? As the heart monitor in the background just goes, mm -hmm. and I remember the funniest thing. We were at Disney World and at Epcot Center, and they have traveling little people that do little shows and sometimes they engage the audience you know and so they call some guy out he's come on they come on you know and they're going to put a dumb hat on him and a big long nose and 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 they call him out of the crowd and he doesn't want to come he said don't worry about it you'll never see these people again that came to my mind and I thought you know what I don't care I'll know and I, he's probably not going to get up, but I'm, I won't have to live the rest of my life knowing that I had disobeyed God. So I had to, I had to kind of push my way, and I said, excuse me a second. And I reached in and put my hand on his forehead, and I said, okay, I'm doing it. I know that's not real theological, okay? 
I'm, I'm doing it, and oh yeah, I'm supposed to, I, I just speak life into Charles Davis's body right now. I got my eyes closed, and all of a sudden I hear the heart monitor jump. And then it starts beating normal. And the, the lady nurse that was standing next to me that I kind of had to t- get her out of my way to do this, she goes, will you look at that? And it, I, I don't know what the issue was, but <clears throat> all of a sudden there was like seven or eight people around the table, and all of them just, all of them but two just turned around and walked out of the room. I don't know if they were ticked off that I did what they couldn't do. I don't know what the issue was, but it was weird. They just, they just walked out. And just a few months later, Brother Charles Davis is opening his eyes. <laughs> Forty-five minutes later, we're walking out of the hospital together. God's cool. And you know what? He knew God loved him. A number of years later, we, 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 we weren't pastor there anymore. And a number of years later, he had had some issues. I mean, at this time, he's like 400 years old. And he's, he's, he's got a, he's got, they've got a hospital bed in their living room. And they were up watching the Lawrence Welk show. Him and his wife, and his wife's name was Laura. And it came commercial, and she got up, and she put her hand over and she said well Charles honey you're hot you're warm honey let me get you a rag you'd have to know where she kind of bent over and she she hobbled off to the bathroom and got a rag and, and wetted it and she hobbled back into the living room and she began to put the rag on his forehead and he goes Laura you're messing my crown up let out a breath and was gone There was a connection between the spiritual and the physical in that moment. And, and he was more in tune with the spiritual. And there was a crown already being placed on, on his head. Folks, we, we have eternity living inside of us. And we've been given it freely. And there's only one reason why we're not sharing it enough. Because we don't believe in his authority and power to do what he says he would do. If you would just be honest with your own heart this morning, there's no reason why you don't lay hands on sick people because you don't think they're going to get better. Because if you knew they'd get better, you'd lay hands on them because it's fun. And you've got stories to tell. And miracles can happen. You can speak life so what is it? I sensed the Holy Spirit tell me as I was preparing for today that, that as I was preaching, he, he would be pointing things out in your heart that are stealing your peace. You may have to go to work tomorrow and give him notice. You may have to text somebody and say, we're done. I'm not saying your husband or wife. You're stuck. Somebody give me this. Talking about that, 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 that thing that's stealing your peace. That situation, that relationship that's taking your peace. You got to tell it to get out. You got to tell it to get out. There's, there's no remedy other than to get out. But listen, when, when you say get out, God is watching. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Some of you are holding on to some things you need to let loose. Come on. And you need to just say, get out. Wipe the dust off of your feet. Get out. Anybody in here, you got something you don't want to drag into 2019? Maybe you dragged it into 2018. Maybe you picked it up in 2018. Anybody got something? Anybody got something you really feel like you need to just 
get rid of it? You know where it starts? It starts with get, just telling it to get out. Just brush it off. Come on. Put your hand up if there's something you, want, you, you don't want to drag into 2018. Take your shoes off. I'm serious. Take your shoes off. How many knows there's symbolic acts in God? Take your shoes off. Why do you take your shoes off? Moses, take your shoes off. Why? Because the step before this, you were on your ground. Now you're stepping onto holy ground. Take your shoes off. Somebody asked you how church went today, tell them it was stinky. Okay? You don't have to tell them they took their shoes off. You got something in your life you don't want to take into 2019? Take your shoes off. I'm trying. I double knot them so they don't come loose when I'm preaching. Stand to your feet, church. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.